my son is like that now, my oldest boy, which is awesome. Uh, he went and played basketball the other day, and he made his friend who he knows smokes weed. My son is uh, 16 right now. He made a, his friend that smokes weed empty his pockets before he got in his car. Now, John, you've become a role model for your son. Yeah. Yeah, you better believe it. You have. And if he's asking, my, if he, well, if he's asking the friend to empty his pockets, buddy, at yes. 16, I mean, you have made an impact on him, yeah? Knowing when to break through the boundaries of average to question the unquestionable is the sign of greatness. It's those moments when you get to the absurd stage that things truly get interesting. Though the world is in need of a new generation of leaders, leaders who have the courage to break through the boundaries and question everything around them. Well, society is yearning for bold and enthusiastic women and men to provide the necessary leadership that will be required for the next leap forward. The journey to get to the brink can be unpredictable, but knowing you're at the brink, pure genius, my friends. Today, we are on the brink of greatness. Well, we have another unique brink story today here, friends, with us. And uh, it's a very interesting story that uh, Kevin and I were looking at and talking about. And uh, uh, we're going to get right into it here with John Evans and uh, introduce you to him. But uh, times weren't always good for this guy. I mean, he went through some tough times in prison and what drove him there and what's happened since then. I mean, his life has been a complete... This is what I would call a 180 story, Kev, you know? Exactly. I mean, talk about a difficult life, um, dealing with drugs, and then be able to overcome that addiction, and actually now out in the community trying to make a difference and improve his community, and that's kind of like his driving force. Yeah, yeah. And and the way you said it right there, so now you all know this is really a, a big story because drug addiction is a big problem out there, people. Now, I, I've never personally experienced it in my life, so I can't speak to that, haven't had it. Have you, Kev? Have you ever been addiction? I wouldn't call it addiction. Uh, no, I wouldn't call like, um, uh, to be honest, have I ever tried it when I was in high school? Yes. But do I consider myself that I ever was addicted? No. No. Gotcha. Um, I I mean, if I had the last time, if I ever tried a drug, was probably when I was 17 years old. So let's just say it was a long time ago. Yeah, well, but let me tell you this, friend: at 17, you could not run for the Supreme Court. You know. I know. Anyways, <laughs> let's get back to the break here. But welcome, John Evans, here, man. Everything's at 17, John. Forward, right? Oh, uh, it's good to talk to you today, but. Uh, all right, I, w- I want to. When we get to the brink of greatness, John, and we talk about this pivotal moment in your life, there's something that typically happens in our lives that is kind of what I call the aha moment. It's it's that moment. It's the point of impact when you know that you've got to do something. It's a moment of truth, really. Bring us back to that moment, please. We got a lot to talk about here over the next hour, but bring us back to the moment of truth for you. When was that moment that you knew it all had to change, buddy? Well, uh, see, I was uh, incarcerated, as you guys all know, and uh, while I was incarcerated, probably a year into my incarceration, not close to a year, uh, I received a letter through the mail that was addressed to Santa Claus from my daughter, and it was intercepted by her mother, who sent it to me, and uh, the letter said, all I want for Christmas is my dad, and my daughter was only nine years old at the time 
and I think that letter alone just hit me, and it changed my whole world. It changed my life, and I still strive today to because of that letter and because of my four kids. I have four children, so that was definitely my moment of truth, my clarity. I think that's the moment where I actually sat back and said, what are you doing? Here you are, you know, in addiction, we, most people, most people that are addicts see the world like poor pitiful me, and we forget about the ones that we hurt the most, our children, our mothers, our fathers, our wives, so that's what pretty much came, that's what hit me all at once, was like, here I am sitting in a cell, an eight-by-eight cell, talking about what about me? What about me? I shouldn't have got this. I shouldn't have done that. And my kids were out there to fend for themselves without their daddy. So, mm, isn't that, that was, uh, John? That is well said. Um, like you say, it's all about me, me instead of the kids. How old is she today? How old is your daughter today? My daughter will be eighteen in November. Wow! Now, how profound is it? How? First of all, what's your relationship like with that particular daughter? I got to ask you. And does she realize what she did in your life? My daughter, uh, mine and my daughter's relationship uh, continues to build now because, you know, I was gone six and a half years out of their life. So, you know, it was uh, tough on them. They went through a lot. Their mother dated a guy while I was incarcerated that uh, was very abusive to their mother. So they've seen a lot. And today, my daughter backs me 100%. My my boys, i got three boys, they all back me 100%. Um, they're a part of the group that I started. They all wear their shirts. They all go to the benefits that we have. Wow. And, uh, wow. you know, my daughter, like, today, I just, I try to post something positive on Facebook every, every other day. Mm-hmm. And I posted one today about, pretty much about how my kids had changed my life and my daughter shared the post so mm, i like this i like this a lot <laughs> bring it all the way back to the young daughter now in you're in jail so you're at that she the daughter is about eight eight nine years old is what i understand the story yeah. is right in that range there <laughs> And uh, let's now let's understand because I we don't know the whole story. You got to remember, listeners are hearing this for the first time today. So let's and, and we're going to talk about the path you're on, the good you're doing now, and all of that. Absolutely, but let's bring it back now that we know that moment of impact. Why were you in prison? Tell us what 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 got you there. Well, I was uh, as you know, I started I started my addiction probably about 14 15 years old mm-hmm. um so you know just turn of events in the lifestyle that i lived got me to the point of being in prison uh, i ended up incarcerated over uh, leaving the scene of an accident uh, i got eight years in prison i ended up doing six and a half of them eight years i got out on good behavior because you know, after after my, I got the letter from my daughter and that whole turning point, I, I changed everything about me. And one of the things I still tell people today that change the way you think, change the way you live. You, you change that level of thinking. You know, when you're in addiction, you, the way I try to put it is like when you're in addiction, if you only feel you're as good as a, a beat-up car, a $200 car, then that's what you're going to drive. 
until you start to get that uh, clarity back to where you want to live and you know your worth, then you, you stay stuck in that little rut right there, and that's you don't never try to do any better than what you're doing. So I did the six and a half years in prison while I was in. After my daughter had sent me the – after I got the letter from my daughter, I went and I got saved. Uh, I went to school, got my GED, because I, I, after that time I had no education. Um, went from my education straight into college, which a lot of people don't know that you can get into college in prison, but usually it's only offenders that have up to a year or less. And I actually, they told me that I couldn't get in, and I walked into the building where they do the college, and I just asked a lady that was in there if there was any more spots or if there was any, anything I could do that would get me in college. And she said, she looked at me and she said, you know, uh, there's something about you. She said, I just want to give you a chance. And she gave me a chance. And, you know, sometimes in life, that's all we need is that one chance. Sometimes in life, that's all we need is a chance. You give somebody a break and yep. it's up to them to capitalize on it, clearly. When that's you right. were doing drugs at, uh, I want to I stay on that a moment here. So I, I want to truly understand this because I, I don't, you're like around, I think you said 14, 15, John? Yeah. 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 So let me, I want to ask you, because uh, drugs are something I still hear a lot about out there today, and there, it's still, kids are still experimenting with them a, a lot. Um, did you pick up drugs, was it from school, or was it from the neighborhood, or what, what specifically, where? You know, the, the crazy thing I tell people is, you know, I was that guy that said, I would never touch drugs, I'm going to play in the NBA, you know, I was a wow. big sports fanatic, I played Mm-hmm. baseball, basketball, football, I ran track. You know, I was all about sports. Um, I had friends that was in school, in grade school, that was, would try to give it to me in the eighth grade, and I would be like, no, I'm, you know, I'm going to play in the NBA. I'm not about that. And actually, my summer before my sophomore year, I live in a small town of probably 800 people, which is called McDermott, Ohio. That's where I was raised at. And, uh, you know, in that town you have a group of people of friends and it went from ranging from 14 to probably 20 years old and uh, actually a group of guys was standing around and you know i let peer pressure get the best of me so uh, this is amazing i i would never have get so you're saying up through grade eight basically you wanted to be a professional sports player you enjoyed sports not only <clears throat> Not only that, uh, you know, I never missed a day of school. I was the only one in my school wow. to ever get perfect attendance without ever missing a day. Get my out of here. So you were an exemplary student up to that point. And yeah. you said, no, I'm not doing it. So now I'm thinking about the kids out there today and the lives that they have. Imagine how different your life would have been, buddy, had you not made that yeah. decision. I mean, I'm sure you think about this and probably kick yourself for it. But tell me... Every day. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. I hear you, Mo. I hear you, though. I'm learning some stuff here from you, though. So I, I want to ask you, when this happened, back, back to... Uh, uh, was you in eighth grade? I mean, so... All right, let's... I want people to relate to this because I've got kids myself that are at this age that you're speaking about right now. And it's always a concern of mine, John, to be quite frank with you. Tell me, what was the moment of why you had to do drugs? What was that turning point? What what happened or how experimental was you know, it? I was actually... <clears throat> I actually, uh, you know, 
I was one of the guys. My see, I was raised on sort of like a little farm, so you know, I stuck to my dad's side. He was my superhero, you know. And uh, one day we was out of school. It was a summer break, and I walked in an old friend, uh, one of my friends' house, and I'd say there's probably roughly about ten to fifteen of guys I know from the neighborhood, good friends. Some not so much, but you know, we all kind of played sports together, but they was actually passing around weed joints. And, uh, you know, what the crazy part is, is one of the guys went to hand it to me that didn't know I didn't smoke. And I started shaking my head and the, uh, the guy right beside him went to grab it and said, give me that. He don't smoke. And when he did that, I guess my ego Mm-mm-mm. was like, give it here. You know, wow. like give it here. I, I, I'm, I guess that I was young, dumb. I, I guess that whole, I got to be tough just like everybody else, or you know, or just the whole point, like the way he looked down on me. Uh, I just, decided, that was my John. Point. John, you now let's. I want to just take this moment that you're talking about right now. Okay, so hold on here now. You're saying. I think you're saying you wanted to belong, John. You want, I, I'm, I'm thinking yeah. of you as a kid at that That's moment. Okay, yeah, Exactly, bud. You wanted to yeah. belong. I mean, this was, now hold on. This isn't a bad, bad thing. It's just you want to belong because, you see, something I speak about often today, John, is called followers and leaders. There are too many people out there, and I'm not just talking kids. I'm talking adults. I'm talking everybody. I tell my son all the time. My son is 15 now, John. The same age right. you would have been when you were doing this stuff. And I say to him all the time, be a leader, be a leader, not a follower. Don't follow. Just because the kids are doing X, whatever X is, this conversation doesn't have to relate to drugs. could relate to anything, John, you know? And But don't be a follower, be a leader. So you're at this point. The weed is going around the room. See, John, here's, let me tell you something here. I, I want to talk to you here now because... I'm the same kid you would be. Uh, I'm telling you right now, buddy. I'm the same guy. So Malcolm's in the room. Same thing. The weed was being passed around as well, John, for me. You know that? And I never took drugs at all. I can relate to what you're saying. You know what? And the weed's going around, and I'm embarrassed, John, because I don't do it. I don't do drugs. I didn't do drugs, right? So I'm an eighth grader. So this this is Malcolm, right? And the weed's passing around the room, and I'm sort of, I'm out of my element. I'm not comfortable, John. You know what I mean? And yet, because you feel like, you feel like a bit of an idiot, like, you know, like a weirdo, right? Because you're not doing it. Right. Yeah? right. And, and do you know, John, <laughs> so it was passed to me, John, and I couldn't do it, buddy. I told them I decided to lead, not follow. I said, no, not doing it, not doing it. I said, you, you guys want to do that shit? You want to destroy your life? You go ahead and do it, man. I'm not going to do it. See, Malcolm, that means that you had strength because you're not, yeah. not everyone is like that. I mean, it's really hard. It's just, just imagine, um, let's just say you're somebody who's new to a town or, and you've just moved in and you've been living somewhere your entire life and you move to a new area and you're just starting high school. And while you're in high school, you gather around, you have very few friends because you're new to the area and you find out that your friend and his friends do drugs, right? And here you are, you finally have been accepted in terms of your friendship or you think is your friend and they start passing around drugs and the choice that you made was the correct choice. But the correct choice means you're maybe back being alone. 
and you know on your own and not having that you know feeling like you're part of the group because there are people like yourselves who you know you they the I guess the people in the drug you know community mm -hmm. they pretty yeah. much shun you and say look if you're not part of us get out of here right right no you're right can I say something real quick my son is like that now my oldest boy which is awesome uh, he went and played basketball the other day and he made his friend who he knows smokes weed my son is uh, 16 right now. He made uh, his friend that smokes weed empty his pockets before he got in his car. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to say this. Wow. Wow. Whenever I was this age, whenever mm -hmm. I was younger, mm -hmm. I was a guy that followed my dad everywhere he went. My dad had a seventh grade education, so he worked his fingers to the bone. I'm from a family of 14 kids. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, there's, there's seven boys, there's seven girls. And, uh, you know, while I was in the garden working with my dad, I would watch my brothers riding their bicycles and getting to do have his free time. So I feel like that right there kind of led up to me wanting free time and wanting to go hang out with these guys and be a part of something different or be a part of uh, what my friends were doing. Cause my, my brothers were hanging out with, you know, their friends. And, you know, even though my brothers never – which I, I have a few brothers that have – kind of smoked weed or done a little bit of this acid back in the uh, early 90s or something like that, but they don't do nothing now. They've never been in trouble. Uh, one's a detective now, so, you know, I think from my childhood and, like I said, watching my brothers do whatever they wanted to do while I worked kind of fed into um, me wanting to kind of just be a part of something different. Now, John, you've become a role model for your son. Yeah. Yeah, you better believe it, you have. And if he's asking, oh my, if oh he, well, if he's asking the friend to empty his pockets, buddy, at yes. 16, I mean, you have made an impact on him, yeah? Yeah, that's what I, that's what I strive for, yes. Right. But if you think about that, I mean, the son has watched his dad grow up. His dad has gone to jail, Right. His dad changes. He sees that change. He see how he sees how it has impacted his life, mm -hmm. each son and his daughter, and he realizes that look, I don't want that life, and I see how my dad has changed. So I think the children have gotten it. They understand what drugs do to a family, and how it can destroy lives, and how. Right now, what John's doing is changing their lives, and he's changing his own. And because of that, they're making a difference, and they all yeah. probably feel good and uh, just doing good for others and building the community. The story starts to take a turn when John starts to, when he gets out of jail, and there's another moment that he gets impacted where he wants to go out and help other people. This story continues on, friends, with more and more. So let's pause a moment here with John Evans. I'm loving this story, by the way. This is like... This is an eye-opener. There's a lot to learn here, not only for, you know, adults, but for the kids. You should play this for the teenagers. They should hear this, friends, and I'm very serious. We're going to talk a lot more about this just ahead here. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world, to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. 
news blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, friends, we are on the brink of greatness this afternoon here. Kevin Williams and Malcolm Out Loud here. We're here, we're here with a, uh, a really interesting gentleman, a, a, a really somebody I, I can already tell, John Evans. Uh, <laughs> what an incredible story. We both knew, Kevin and I both knew when we seen this story, so we, we've got to talk to him. He's, this guy is a brink thinker. He's, he's on the brink of greatness. He's doing some great stuff out there, which we're going to talk to you about just ahead here, what he's doing. But I just, I love to take it back to the moment what impacted his life. And we talked about, we were talking about drugs and we were talking about the kids and his uh, son and life and where he is, if you've been following the story here. John, I, I still want to clear up just a couple of things before we move the ball forward and talk about all the cool things you're doing now and where you're going on this beautiful thing we call life here. I want to talk to you a moment and bring it all the way back to, again, that point with, uh, with the, the drugs. What I want to understand something is now, before you got that letter from your daughter and you're in prison, now, you got into prison. Was it... Was it um, I guess it was drug related, but it was was it because of the accident? What was it exactly? What was the charge that brought you in there? Was it the accident, or was it the drugs, or what's mm-hmm. what's going on? I actually wasn't high that day, um, and they got me for leaving the scene of an accident. I didn't know, I didn't have insurance or license. What really uh, made it worse? So they went for the max time. And then uh, they released me on an OR bond, and being in an active addiction, the addiction took over any other of my choice. So instead of choosing to go back to court on the day of sentencing, I decide, well, you know what, I can turn myself in in two weeks, and uh, they might give me a little more time, they might not. And so it didn't work out like that. By the time that I did turn myself in, I was tired, I was done, and I went ahead and tra- when I turned myself in, it was uh, it was at that point it was just more of a I can't I can't hide from. Them. Well, you was so, at a low I'm point, John. Myself. You was at a low point. You gave up. You just gave up at that yeah, point, hit, obviously. Yeah, you were done. Bottom. You were rock bottom, bud. You were done. You were done. The other party with that accident, what, nobody was killed in this, were they? No, no. Thank God. Were they? Uh, thank God for sure. Thank you. Did they? Were they hurt bad or not too bad? Or was it? I mean, I mean, uh, so why the jail uh-huh. time? I'm saying, why such severe jail time with this? I hit somebody and they it broke their arm. I see. And I see. I went on. I went on home. And because, you took off. You took off. Yeah. 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 You leaving the scene of an accident is a big problem. You can't do that, obviously. You know. So had you not left the scene, you probably have been better off. You'd have been way better off, obviously. But yeah, you might not yeah, have had prison time, I guess. Then, huh? Well, hard to say. That's a long story. Yeah. 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 That's a long story. It always is, buddy. Huh? All right. So yeah. I, one other thing I want to clear up, please. That's important that I want to know for the young people out there. I, I, I still need to know, because I'm, my mind works this way, when you're back at that party and you take that, that hit right there. And so, I, I, I mean, I can't relate. So tell me what happens from that point. Was it that you had to do more? You did more? You went to, I mean, how fast did it accelerate, I'm asking, John? Because I, I don't know. How, how fast did it accelerate I the think, drug problem? 
I think theoretically speaking that, you know, some people have an, a, an addictive personality and I just happen to be one of those people. You know, my brothers, like I said, got high before I did and they did it and didn't do it again. I have a sister that mm -hmm. did it and never done it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I did it and I, I liked it. Mm -hmm. I, I think I, I think eventually you start to like the lifestyle that it brings. I mean, now that I think about back on it, I'm like, you know, what was I thinking? But when you're, it's it's those blinders of addiction that, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, you're blinded. You don't, you're not seeing things clearly. You're, you're just seeing things the way you want to see them and you're living life just like you do now day by day. But mm -hmm. your day by day then is addiction. Your day by day then is I wake up in the morning I go, so-and-so picks me up before the school. On the way to school, he smokes a joint. I smoke, I smoke it with him. And, I mean, it just, and then, it, and then eventually it goes further than that. It took I over mean, your life. It we, took over your life. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Right. So, I, let it, I let it consume who I was as a person. Right, but how quickly, because it said that you, I had read that you started with a joint, then it escalated to like three to $500 per day habit. Right. Well, it started Where, with it started with weed, and then it went into uh, small pain pills uh, to nerve pills, which was like Xanax, uh, Percocet, Lorset. Uh, which at that time I was just doing like you know recreational, like here and there. It wasn't like an everyday thing. And then eventually that addiction takes hold, and your of course your addiction gets more expensive because what you did yesterday two purchases that you did yesterday a week from now doesn't do the same for you so now you're up to three purchases or three vicodin or three uh xanax what led me to the 500 three to five hundred dollar a day addiction is whenever i got into oxycontin now how, how did you even fund it i mean how did you even come up with that much money every day I wonder at myself, you know, and, uh, like I would, uh, I was a manipulator. I was a master manipulator in addiction. I, I would use women to get what I wanted at one time, you know, I'd, I'd actually, uh, use myself for money to get, to pay for my addiction. So mm -hmm. it was pretty much whatever I could do at one, at the lowest point in my life. So you're at this lowest point of your life now you you so you get out of prison one of the before you get out of prison one of the things that i noticed in your story john that i just need to bring to light as well and i think you are passionate about this but i've read that you say if you're not screwed up before you get into prison you certainly will be when you come out there's more drugs available in prison than there is anywhere else there is I think uh, the misconception is send my family member to prison and they'll get them off the street and get them off drugs. But, you know, one of the things on my live video I tell people is uh, you go sending your family member to prison and the drugs are so plentiful in there that most people would never comprehend how much drugs are actually entering these prisons and I can tell you now if you look it up on uh, on the internet right now you'll see a place in Chillicothe called Ross Correctional Facility Institution who had just had uh, overdoses from 
fentanyl that somebody had put in the ductwork. Not only the inmates, but also to see it, the uh, guards were overdosing from this. It was all over the news. You, you said earlier something, John. You said, I sort of have one of those ad- addictive uh, personalities in my behavior, right? You kind of said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, John, I think you might agree with me, potentially. Uh, that can be a good thing, though, if you use it for the right reasons, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, so learning, learning, how, learning how to use that exactly. uh, can be a big thing in the way you live your life, whether you're living in poverty or... You know, living uh, paycheck to paycheck or living good. Mm-hmm. All right. So you've been out now. It's been eight years uh, You uh, that you've earned your freedom now, as the story goes here. And now I've, some... been, out, I've been out almost two oh. years. Yes. Say that again? I've been out two years, January. Okay. So you've been clean for about eight years, the story is then, I guess, I've right? Been clean. I've been clean. Yes. I just hit my eight-year mark clean. So you've only been out for two years, buddy. Yeah. Wow, so this is all new. Somehow I thought it was longer than that. Man, are you making progress? Wow. My uh, The group I started as uh, tonight is 38 weeks. Tell us about this group. My group is called, I come up with a name called Raw Addiction because I feel like in addiction, it's all raw. I mean, you're, there is no, any, there's no two ways about it. You're... Uh, uh, the colors I come up with is raw addiction is black and white. It doesn't matter what color you are. Uh, there's no, there's no. You're either in or out. There is no in between. You're either in or out, and it's called raw addiction through the eyes of recovery. And what we do is we help people like who I used to be, still am. I mean, I'm a recovering addict. Uh, I help them get into detox and get them into recovery to. Uh, you know, help them hopefully try to do what I do. I try to tell them, you know, you need to chase your sobriety like you chase dope. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Portsmouth alone is known as the pill capital of the world. Yeah, no, they, they had the they had the pill mills down here, like seven pill mills or something like that. So, you know, pill, pills were very uh, available. Uh, Especially oxycotton, they was every every corner you went on. So until just actually 2010, when I was incarcerated, uh, they had shut the pill mills down and everything switched over to heroin. But I'm just saying, it's important to know, Malcolm, that when John was in prison, right? So he was in there for six and a half years and finished the last year and a half, and I guess more like a halfway house. So he he went in when he was around 31. And then in the that year, yes, in that year in where he got the letter from his, his daughter to Santa and they kicked him in the gut and he made a decision he was going to change. He changed in prison where he started like, you know, studying and, and, and trying to learn as much as he can. So, John, why don't you share that with us? Because during that time is where you came up with this idea of raw addiction and to you know, you thought of it and and knew what you were going to do once you came out. Yeah, whenever uh, you know the the heart pounding letter coming to mail, and uh, you know, I, the first year I was in, it was you know, like I said, poor pitiful me. You know, here I am in prison, nobody cares, my family ain't going to love me. I mean, eight years from now, they're going to forget who I am, and uh, you know, 
whenever I got that letter, it changed my life around. I went, like I said, I got saved. I started to educate myself. I went and got my GED. I started college. I did four years of college in there. Uh, 40 credits is what I got in there while also doing uh, electives in a, a program called um, Horizon, which is a faith-based program. And what I, my whole thing was everything that I learned in there was to better me for whenever I come out here to show my kids to be a leader, not a follower. You know, I've never looked at myself as a follower, but at that time, but whenever I look back on my life, that's pretty much what I was, or that's what got me to where I was in addiction. So, you know, whenever I, while I was in there, everybody that, I had a lot of people that looked up to me because I was a mentor. I mentored a lot of people, older, younger, and I coached sports-wise in there. So a lot of people looked up to me, and, and they would tell me their stories about what they got going on in their life. I'm talking from stories you would never you would never think a stranger would tell you in the first place. And it's just like I was easy to talk to, I guess. But they would tell me these stories, and then they would tell me how the, today was. And they said, everywhere you look, somebody's on some kind of gadget, a cell phone, a tablet, a computer. So, you know, that's when I got the idea, you know, what better way to reach those that are uh, that need help with recovery or that are deep in addiction than, you know, social media. It's, it's everywhere. So right. that's so, why I got me thinking of the idea. Right. So here he is. You're in jail. You you get the letter. You decide to change. You get a GED. You took 40 credits worth of college. You had like 47 certificates that you had mentioned to me, all while you're in jail, getting ready to get out. And at the same time, you're thinking about raw addiction in jail and what you're going to do. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Just amazing. Yeah. I took... Uh, stuff like real estate real estate is uh real estate to me uh, i'm passionate about doing real estate only because i feel like it, it's who i am as a person like it's hard to explain kind of but you know the hollow of a house when you rebuild it mm -hmm. i feel like that was who i was as a person wow. i was hollow i was i lived in my past which was a deep in addiction which was rock bottom and i knew everything that i ever knew I had to rebuild. I had to change. So everything that I've learned for the last 20 years of addiction, which whenever you, I feel like if you start to get high before your mind is completely developed, I mean, it has to render some things that you're going to accomplish in life. So I was that hollow person, just like that hollow house that needs built back and needs, uh, you know, remodeled, reset. Yeah. Well, studies studies show that the damage done to young brains is incredible, John. I mean, that that I've studied and read that, and it's it's a big problem. Are you doing real estate now? Is that what you're doing? I do work for a lady who owns a lot of real estate, and I do rent her houses out for her, and I do all the uh, maintenance. Oh, I'll be darned. Okay, so you're doing that's so that's that's the the way you make a living today. That's what you're doing. It is. I remodel houses, and, you know, that, too, also goes into my future, my kids' future. You know, I want to open up uh, my own sober living house. I want to open two, actually, or more. What, what kind of a house is it? 
it's a sober living house. I actually have two ideas on, you know, a lot of people can't get into detox, which if a lot of people don't know what detox is, it's to, uh, detox is to wean people off uh, whatever dope they're on. So a lot of times we can't get people in detox because either they don't have the proper insurance or they say they just smoke crack or they just smoke weed, but they want to help. Most of these detoxes won't help them unless they got heroin in their system. So uh, most of the argument today is, so you're telling me that I need this guy to go down the road, and if he shoots heroin or does heroin and comes back, then you guys will accept him. So I need a, I want a place that will house these guys. Because, you know, the, the main part of getting somebody that's an addict is whenever they're ready. So if they're ready today, we got to give them a place today because tomorrow they might give up. They might mm-hmm. be like, you know, I, nobody wants to help me. I know, I understand too from both sides of that. You know that you know they are an adult and they need to think like an adult. But at the same time, like I said, addiction consumes who you are as a person, and a lot of and addiction is sheltered. Most people don't tell their kids about drugs because they shelter them. Most people uh, push recovery into the basements of the churches because they don't want it out here but what they need to realize is it's everywhere yeah. people are finding kids are finding needles in the parks oh yeah i mean that well if the, we don't the, change that right now they ain't nothing going to they change. get it they get embarrassed there's an embarrassment factor with it john is what's happening yeah, that's what then, it is. yeah it's embarrassment and then they <laughs> that's why they put it under the carpet as you say uh, well, let's let's do this. We'll t- take a pause here as we continue with the brink here. And uh, I want to ask, uh, John, I'm very curious what's been, uh, been thinking about a few things here. And one of them is, um, I wonder what your opinion is, uh, John, if you'll share with us. You know, the market of, of marijuana today, cannabis, now there's a, a big push to legalize it throughout the nation. In fact, there are a lot of uh, states that it is legal now in. And, uh, you know, what kind of an impact does this have back on our communities? I wonder what a guy like John will say about that, if he thinks that's a good thing or a bad thing. or And it, and it really comes back, people, to the point of addiction again. What is addiction? And when do you know too much is too much? And how can it change your life and what kind of damage can it do? I mean, these are all things you have to consider. Everybody's different, obviously, and the impact of that is different as well. But uh, we'll continue on with The Brink with John Evans and Kevin and Malcolm. We'll be back with you in just a moment here. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. 
as we talk about the raw addiction and the group that you're finding and the houses you want to start to, to develop and you want to make a push to help people, there's obviously a point uh, in the nation, as you say, people are not always being truthful with themselves and with their kids and uh, as far as the danger with drugs and what they do to you, this, this point of addiction. What do you think about legalized uh, cannabis, marijuana? They call it cannabis for another word. Maybe that's a friendly word. I don't really know. But what do you think about legalized marijuana and the fact that a lot of states now are turning to this? I mean, there was the medical purpose of it uh, but the, the, with the CBD, but now you've got uh, the rec recreational, which is becoming mainstay now. Uh, John, is this a good thing, a bad thing? Where do you see this going in the nation? You know, I get asked this a lot, you know, because, you know, a lot of people want to talk about what is a gateway drug, you know, is tobacco, is marijuana. But, uh, you know, I think... Is it a gateway drug, John? Is is it a gateway drug, John? I don't know if that's... Is that true? I don't I don't believe it is. I believe everything starts out with a choice, of course. I mean, okay. as far as if you're... if I'll put it like this. If you're uh, a minor, a child, and you're, like we talked about earlier, if your brain's not developed correctly and you're... Uh, fogging it up, I think it definitely could uh, change your opinion on things. And I think that it could definitely put you in predicaments that could cause you to try bigger drugs. I do believe that. Well, then that, that would be the classification, in my opinion, of a gateway drug then, John. that That's what that says. That's yeah, a, I mean... So you well, do believe that that does, can happen. And uh, tobacco does too. I mean, tobacco does the same thing. Beer does the same thing. It can put you in predicaments. If you're, let's put it like this: if you're an eighth grader or ninth grader, mm -hmm. your parents probably are not going to let you smoke cigarettes. So you're hiding with your buddies to smoke these cigarettes. So who's to say that the next buddy don't come in with a joint or come in with a beer or come in with a pill? Uh, that uh, addictive personality. If you have it, if you don't, if it's just all about following, if it's all about uh, pulling you into this addiction, who's to say that you're not going to, you know, it might, uh, that it don't change your life forever. It did mine. Do you have to be careful today with, uh, do, you, do you like even, I mean, I, I don't know, do you have a drink of uh, wine or beer or something or no? I don't do nothing personally because I have an addictive personality. Uh, you don't want to take I a mean, chance. a lot of people don't, don't understand that they have that. I don't drink. Uh, I quit smoking cigarettes about almost seven years ago. So everything I do is for my kids. So there you go. There you you go. know, so you got to be a shine. If you're going to be a shining light in a world of darkness, you can't be out here doing this and that and trying to tell other people what not to do. Mm. See, that's the, that's one of those challenges because you know you hear all usually in society a little bit won't matter. Right. Unfortunately, yeah, right. you don't know if that little mat little bit's going to matter to you, because like the, right, if you never if you never did it the first time, you'll never do it the second. And like Malcolm, right. fortunately, had that strength, or at least uh, within himself, that when he was given the opportunity to smoke the joint, he decided not to. You I know, to, in, my, uh, in the town that I lived in, mm -hmm. like every everybody done something whether it was partying <laughs> drinking or something so you know i i say that i didn't start till i was 14 15 but it was definitely offered to me at an earlier age like yeah as far back as probably the fifth grade 
it's that choice that we decide, you know, like you said, you thought about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that thought could have led to doing it, and then you never know where you've been. You never know. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Malcolm's addicted to talking. Just imagine if he took weed. Holy Watch. cow. He'd never stop. Yeah. Watch it, fella. Watch it, fella. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure some similar, but I think it's. You got 14 year olds and 13 year olds that are shoot that have overdosed in schools right now, that have overdosed in the bathroom of school. So it's crazy. Do you think it's crazy that they're trying to legalize uh, marijuana around the country, or do you? It's just a good or a bad thing. I think uh, I don't think the country's ready for it. Mm-hmm. I put it that way because uh, I think uh, kids are kids. Kids nowadays really don't stand a chance until. Until we come together to uh, as a, as a whole to start teaching these kids that it's not all right to do this, I don't think that uh, legalizing marijuana and telling a kid that it's all right to smoke marijuana or the kids today, like even these game systems. Whenever I come home from prison, you know the uh, the PS4 was new, PS3 was new. So when I see my kid playing uh, Grand Theft Auto and it's got hookers and stuff like that on there where do kids even between that and what they watch on tv cartoons ain't even the same no more that's it buddy john you're so right john i am i i'm feeling that right now that is a real problem to me and i speak about that often out there but here's the thing john back to grand theft auto they're playing the video game you got the hookers in there as you just say but now they've also got the guns they got the ak-47s and the the semi-automatics with them and then they're on only on a video game now let's picture this people and they're shooting people down on a video game thinking nothing of it now you get some of that other you get some of the drugs in you i think the i think the reality and the unreality of life merge real fast and this now you've got school shootings you got all kinds of problems in society yep. right or wrong john that's, that's definitely right i mean you got like uh, like it goes back to these kids uh brains are not developed enough to comprehend a lot of this stuff so if you're feeding a kid you know what i, I say a lot too is uh Direction, direction. If you're feeding a kid the thoughts of a gun every day of his life, mm-hmm. or the thoughts of uh, selling dope on a corner every day of his life, chances are that kid's probably going to sell dope on his life. Not every kid's going to, because you might have some kids that actually uh, want more than that, want better than that. But there is some kids that's going to. That's what they're like. They're going to see a pimp or uh, some guy flashing all this money, and they're going to be like, "That's what I want." I mean, you keep direction. If you teach a kid uh, business all his life, chances are he's going to get out and run his own business. Well, I love your messaging, John. I, I mean, you just have so much to give at this point, I've got to tell you. You're going to have a hell of the next tw- 10, 20 years for you are going to be incredible, buddy. I hope so. That's what, you know, my main uh, thing, you know, we get out here and uh, we give to the homeless and uh, to those less fortunate, those who fall on hard times. And, you know, we get the kids involved. Like, uh, we got a suit. We're going to do a soup kitchen for Thanksgiving. We're going to do a toy drive for Christmas. And my kids and every kid that wants to be involved, I mean, you'd be surprised at the kids that are watching my live videos or the kids that my kids wear wristbands to school or uh, that say Raw Addiction on it, their friends want to wear them. So yeah. they're all, all in these schools and everything. And, I mean, it, it gives kids uh, hope. It gives it gives adults a hope, so you, what do you think it does for these children? 
Yeah, absolutely. John, um, one or two of your videos, select one or two of them, please, and, and send them to me, email them to me, please, okay? I've got to see them because I, I want to post them. I want to get the message out there. I want to see what you're doing with the videos for sure. Um, let's talk about raw addiction and our moments here. We've got left here, please. And I, I want to talk about, um, so how often do you meet? Tell, tell us what you're doing on Facebook. Now, because raw addiction, you're, do, you're using Facebook as the tool right now, right? Like you don't have a website right. yet, right? Or any of that, not yet, right? Uh, we're, we're working on a website. We're working on a nonprofit. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. We are I, trying. We're trying to go. All right. All right. This is good stuff. So tell me, uh, uh, how often are you meeting? What's the What's the protocol with with Facebook that you're using right now? Well, on Facebook, we do Saturday Night Live every every Saturday night at nine o'clock. Um, we do a live video for one hour. We try not to lose our you know lose interest uh, with uh, the people that are watching. So we stay at one hour. We ask people if they got questions. Uh, about addiction or if they're going through something to contact us they don't have to contact us directly during a live video they can pm us on messenger let us know what's going on if they need in recovery or they need in detox they let us know we go through what i call the proper channels which is people that i have in place i have two counselors that are part, uh, part of raw addiction who work in uh counseling so they work in rehab centers so they help us get people into detox, into recovery. And, you know, what we what we trying to do, what we are trying to do is build not only a group called Raw Addiction, but a family, you know, with the kids. And what we try to uh, do on there is bring awareness of the drug epidemic and uh, understanding of, you know, a lot of people don't like, like you guys, you said you never got high. We try to bring understanding to the loved ones. I also have a loved ones group who focus on, the children of the other side of addiction, which can be mom, dad, uh, brother, sister who never done and don't understand why we do it. Yeah. So, you know, we try to we try to bring understanding of why and how this how they're how they're losing uh, loved ones to addiction. Yeah. So, how many followers do you have? Uh, I think we just hit twenty one hundred. And then you say where are they calling in from, like watching. I actually just got I actually just got a message probably two minutes prior to this from a guy out of Ireland. We are in the U, we're in the UK. Uh, we got somebody in Australia who stays in contact. Um, we got uh, a place a Serbia, I think. What, is, what one guy? Serbia, from. Yeah, yeah. So we're pretty yeah. much. We're pretty much all over the world right now, yeah, and yeah. we're we continue to grow. Yeah, wow. I mean, hey, Kevin, this is what we call a brink thinker. You know that. Yeah, and when he talks about his home, because mm -hmm. you know he wants to be a nonprofit, and he had mentioned a home, but roughly he was telling me on the phone when we had a discussion, he wants a a home like you talked before. He says a day before, which is a place that to detox, funny. and then a day after which is really, to me, I thought I understood like a place to learn a skill because it's like once you're done and the blindness of addiction is off you, you need to go out and actually do something and have a skill. And so just like John in, in, in jail learned lots of skills, he wants to actually help other people learn skills so they have something to go to and, and you know improve their lives. So everything that John talks about and, and when we had our one-on-one, it was just – you know, he wants to help the community. He wants to help people. 
He wants to do food drives, toy drives, clothes drives, coat drives, whatever he can to help the community. That's it. Seems like that's what John's all about. It's just amazing. Yeah, it is. It's- what I try to what I try to uh, tell people in our live video that we're not uh, we don't go and we're not to promote the Bible and God. I am a godly person, but I'm not trying to promote God or trying to promote addiction. I'm trying to bring change to a. Uh, not only a community that's broken, but a world, the whole world. No country, no city in the United States is exempt from addiction right now. Every, If you look at the United States map and you look at addiction right now, there's a dot on every city. Every city has some form of addiction. And it's, and it's mostly this heroin epidemic that's going on right now, fentanyl, is everywhere and it's killing people yeah. daily, minute by the minute. Yeah, we, we've got to be aware. We've got to pay attention to this drug epidemic, as you say, John. I think uh, that we're not doing it justice, clearly. Uh, You'd you think at some point we could make this stuff a thing of the past, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, the fact that things are being legalized think, the way they are, it's hard to say. Well, you think, think of like this. You know, a lot of people that uh, go to work, they come home, mm-hmm. they... They live their lives, uh, they, they don't know about addiction, and they feel like that this drug epidemic doesn't affect them. Mm-hmm. But whenever they get broke into, or like the stuff that's going on in the world now, like uh, home invasions and stuff over addiction, addiction affects each and every person in every community, whether it's the firefighters, whether it's the kids, whether it's the police, uh, it affects everybody in the community in some way. Somehow, if you can't leave your car unlocked when you go to a store, that's usually the reason. It's some, it usually falls back on addiction of some some sort. Yeah, addiction go is so much further than just drugs. Too, a lot of people don't. You got to understand that, like sex and. I mean, it, it, it's... Oh, yeah, there are people who destroy their hard. lives with this. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they absolutely yeah. destroy their lives. John, people connect with you on Facebook. The, the, it would be under Raw Addiction? Yeah, it's called Raw Addiction Through the Eyes of Recovery. You can uh, look us up. Um, it is a closed group because we got, you know, you get guys in there that want to do nothing but debate. We don't debate. We dialogue. We get on there. We I talk like about it. what like we that. can do to change... Like I said, not only our community, but community surrounding areas. And, uh, okay. you know, we can get on there and dialogue about, or we can get on there and debate about whether marijuana is a gateway drug or whether um, this person shouldn't do this or should do that. But that's not what we're about. We're trying to bring change. So you're having conversation. You're trying to bring change. And, and I'm sure you're helping people that have the addictions, right, that are trying to work yeah. through it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We lose some, and we, Absolutely. Uh, you yeah. know, some some right. go on to work. The hard part about it is, you know, we're going to lose some. And, the, you know, the worst thing is we can't want recovery mm-hmm. for the addict. they got to want it for themselves. That's as right. bad as we want to help them, they got to want it for yes, themselves. Yes, that's the way it is. That's well said. So raw addiction through the eyes of recovery. Right. So the thing yeah. about it is right now for John is they're really – you know, he's working his job, he's trying, I mean, right now they're using their own money to try to help other people. Mm-hmm. So I guess, John, is how do how do people help you, you know, be able to carry out your mission by helping others? <clears throat> I think by getting my name out there, getting Raw Addiction out there, uh, I am set up on, on Facebook, 
under Curtis Evans and a friend of mine I told you about before was Aaron Lanier. Uh, we we share our videos between mine and his Facebook accounts, uh, and plus it's on the Raw Addiction account. Uh, but getting our name out there, we want to be so much more. That's why we're trying to do the nonprofit. But we don't only want to uh, do what we're doing now. We want to help people with job placement. We want to help people with uh, housing. Um, you know, just okay. if you have any resources out there that you can and you want to help somebody help somebody, I mean, what better way to do it than that's what we do. Anything that's donated to us mm-hmm. is given away or it goes right back into raw addiction. We don't make a profit. Uh, pretty much everything we do is out of pocket. Um, our, even our, our kids, everybody puts in to give to somebody in need. John, uh, we're going to talk a lot more ahead. I believe Kevin and I will definitely, in fact, I want to set up another conversation, uh, Kevin, with you and I and John, um, just ahead here uh, on some other thoughts, okay, Uh, to see how we can assist uh, him. I've got some thoughts as well on this that have been coming to me as I've been talking to you today, but you are a Brink Thinker. Thanks for being with us on the Brink of Greatness. Again, friends, this show you'll catch every Saturday and Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Radio. Again, you know how to find it all. And, and, and all the contact points, by the way, are right on our site, brinkofgreatness.com. And of course, America Out Loud, americaoutloud.com. You'll find it all there. Uh, thank you all for being here and listening. John's story is incredible. What an impact to all of us. And But the bigger story here, I think, is the kids, the youth, the generation, the drug problems, the addiction, the things that John have been talking about that we've been talking about here with him and, and all of us. There's a lot to focus on here. I think John is on the start of something very truly unique. So let's let's support him, do what we can to bring this forward. But I'll tell you what, he got to the point of impact in his life and the absurd moment, and he has turned it into a moment of truth, which really is the brink of greatness, friends. And you've got to remember, the brink of greatness can only happen when you're willing to push through the boundaries and limitations that are holding you back. Don't let anything hold you back, friends. Remember to take the next leap forward.